Hey, you rock and rollers. This is Amy Darling, and you're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're having a great Friday. Hope you're about to have a great Friday. Hope you're going to enjoy the weekend. Once again, this is your host, Jay Scott. And this is the Hook Rocks podcast, the ultimate rock community podcast. Getting ready for here for the interview with Danko Jones coming up here soon. Great interview with that, with his new album coming out next Friday. Power Trio. Great, great album. Had a chance to listen to it. Some of the singles that have been released have been absolutely phenomenal. So I think you're going to enjoy that. Just some music news. More tours are getting canceled. More shows are getting postponed. Nine Inch Nails canceled the remaining dates for their 2021 show to be rescheduled in 2022. It is uh, happening, folks. We're going backwards. We are officially going backwards. Uh, It's unfortunate. But it is the state of things right now, and all I can do is keep my fingers crossed that we continue to uh, try to turn this around because fall is not looking like it's going to be a good time. I had a conversation with a artist this past week. We spent about two hours on the phone, and one of the things he mentioned was how this is affecting his income and how it's affecting the people that work at these venues and you know the money they make. So again, this is not about one individual. This is not a personal choice. This is a public health issue and your decision affects and impacts other people. So just keep that in mind every time you say this is a personal choice. A personal choice is if a doctor tells you you have cancer and you decide that you want to do it, you know, treat yourself holistically instead of getting chemotherapy because that affects only you. This is not a political stance. A vaccine should never be a political stance. Keep in mind with previous vaccines like polio, we never did acquire herd immunity or we never did reach 
herd immunity with the polio vaccine. So, you know, and if someone says, well, it's not FDA approved, ask them if they take any supplements they get at the store, like their vitamin C pills, their vitamin D pills, their fish oil, whatever it is, because none of that stuff is FDA approved. So uh, let's believe in the science. The science is always the right path to follow, in my opinion. Once again, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can enjoy us as well as many others on the Pantheon Podcast platform. Shout out Loudcast, Cobras and Fire, Mistress Carrie, Martin Popoff, Carmen Apiece, Vinny Apice, Ron and Esty on the Hanging and Banging Podcast. Check out Carrie Stevens, the new Monsters of Rock host, which I am really excited for because she's awesome. You're going to enjoy her. She loves rock and roll. She knows a lot about rock and roll. She's got a great history um, in rock and roll with bands. And, of course, you know, her her former boyfriend, Eric Carr, her special relationship, special friendship with David Lee Roth, all talked about on previous episodes and in her book, which is tremendous. So check that out. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us wherever you do podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, wherever write us a review if you choose to do so we always like to hear your feedback and let's go once again this episode is sponsored by blue chew say it with us blue chew blue chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections let's have a good time baby Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and a fraction of the cost. Cha-ching! Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. It's probably the most important thing in any relationship. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, America, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform... Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for the Hook Rocks podcast listener. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code MILKSHAKE at checkout. Just paying $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code MILKSHAKE to receive your first month free. 
And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks podcast. Like to welcome in our next guest, another great guest, another great interview lined up for you today with the forthcoming album Power Trio. We have Danko Jones on the Hook Rocks. What's going on, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you doing this. Looking forward to getting to know you here for a little bit and talking about the new album. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Well, we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the podcast, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, <clears throat> maybe it was joining the Kiss Army when I was six years old. Did you get the patch? No, I, I, um, so I, I, uh, my mom couldn't handle me bothering her about this band Kiss. So finally she relented and said, okay, just get, I'll get you one album. And so I picked Kiss Alive because it was like the thickest. And I saw the word booklet <clears throat> on the cover. And on the back of Kiss Alive, there is the mailing address to the Kiss Army. So she said, if you write a letter, I'll, I'll mail it in. And she did that j- just that. And I guess the people who got the letter realized it was like a six-year-old kid writing it. And so they sent me these um, uh, school notebook folders. So I got two of those, and I got five eight-by-ten glossies of the band. Wow. That's, uh, that'd be a big moment for a six-year-old kid getting that stuff. Yeah. And you know, you, you, you're six. So, uh, eventually, you know, I don't know where that I, I'm pretty sure my mom threw it out, but I was able to find those glossies on eBay, um, a few years back. But when I got it, it was actually photocopy scans of it. So I got ripped off, but at least I have the actual images of what I originally had from the kiss army. When you look back at that time and you started your journey with that moment, when did it become wanting to be a musician, getting on stage and being a rock star? Uh, I, um, years later, I mean, I, I, I was pretty realistic in terms of, you know, goals and, and uh, chances of doing this for real. Uh, so I, I went to school and I went to university and I would always just say to myself, there's just no way this could actually be a reality. And then finally, the itch just bugged me too much. I said, well, if you don't try, you're never, you're, you're always going to be bothered by that. So I, I, I dipped my feet, you know, in the water, so to speak, and uh, got a really good reaction. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was the start of it, I guess. Was there like, was there a concert? Was there a show that you saw that was like, wow, that's what I want to do. Uh, not, not a specific show. Um, it was just more of a, you know, a overwhelming feeling in the back of my head that, you know, you, you haven't tried this yet. You should try it. Um, and so that just bugged me till I got up on stage and started playing in my first band. So, And when you think back about writing music, was there... You know, when was the first moment that you put pen to paper and wrote a tune? Oh, I, I, I can't do music theory. Uh, I don't, I, I, I can't read or write music. Um, but I guess, you know, when I was in high school, I, I got my <clears throat> first guitar in grade 
was it grade nine or 10? 10, 10, I think. And, um, you just start fiddling around and I got it. I, 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 around that time I got into the Ramones and the Misfits. And so those were pretty good bands to get started songwriting wise, like, you know, pretty simple tunes and allowed myself to just kind of try my hand at it. You know, I mean, if you, if you start with Zeppelin, you're never going to go anywhere because it's too intimidating, but you know, the Ramones and the Misfits, uh, were easy enough songs to tackle. What was or who is, would you say, your biggest influence as you evolved into music? I don't know. It's always this uh, ever-changing thing, depending on you know what aspect of it. You know, there's different different people I look up to in terms of performance. Uh, different people I look up to in terms of singing, and then guitar playing. So I think when it comes to guitar playing, uh, guitar solos, I, I should say, is, is like Billy Gibbons is my favorite guitar player. And then singing, uh, I derive inspiration directly from Phil Linnett. And then, you know, performance could be anyone from Paul Stanley to Iggy Pop to Solomon Burke. <clears throat> That's a pretty wide, you know, wide range. Is that does that mean a lot to you to have those wide ranging influences? Because to me, you know, as a listener, when someone has you know different influences for different parts of their music, it shows more of a, of a wide range. It shows more of a of a of a deeper, more depth in the music when when that happens. Well, I think if you're into music enough to kind of take the leap you are um, a music fanatic in your private life. So that means, you know, no rules on music. You just listen to whatever sounds good to you. Uh, that's always how I've, I've lived. I don't care if, you know, all the cool kids like this band and I don't, and I like this band and none of the cool kids do. I, I, I'm still going to listen to the music I like. So uh, whether that was metal or hard rock or rap music or soul music or, jazz i i just i just wanted to hear the the music that my ears took me to and and yeah over the years it's everything from you know coltrane to birthday party to cool keith to black flag to sin lizzie and slayer does that eclectic music taste that you have allow you to keep evolving, you know, because, you know, that is really the, the, you know, the goal of every artist, right. Is not to, you know, is to keep evolving through the times to still be influenced, even though you've been making music for a number of years. Well, I kind of, I kind of know. I, I, I mean, I don't, I really don't like the word uh, evolving and progressing when it comes to music, because uh, I think the hardest thing to do is for a band to find its own signature sound. And once you find it, uh, the you know I think a lot of people in the industry push for you to to change. Okay, now that you have found your signature sound, change because <laughs> that's what progression demands. So I actually don't like progression um, or it, or um, you know I don't know what you want to call it, advancement or or maturing. I think uh, bands like Motorhead, ACDC, Slayer, and the Ramones got it right, and they stuck to it, which is kind of what we want to do. Um, but a wide taste in music does allow you to live in 
a sound um, and never get bored because you do have a back history of all these musics that you've studied and you've listened to and you can always call from them, you know, and that helps. So yeah, definitely listening to a lot of music and a lot of different kinds of music helps with you making your own music. But in terms of, you know, progressing or changing your music, I think if you find, if you stumble on a sound, you're, you're, I mean, the battle's won already, but to change it, I think you've lost, you lose the battle. Um, so that's what ACDC did. And it, I think it did pretty well for them. Same with the Ramones and, you know, Slayer. Yeah, I, 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 I mentioned the four that I always do. When you mentioned, you know, the battle is won, you know, which is a great point when you're talking about finding your sound. And, you know, you are, you do have different tastes in music. You do have different, you know, you are listening to different music in, you know, in the background. How do you satisfy those cravings to maybe do something else or do something a little different than what Danko Jones is doing? I think it's uh, um, uh, uh, knowing, looking at looking at what you do realistically, and knowing that to just achieve a level where people actually pay attention to what you're doing, music-wise, that is a a privilege, and that's already a victory. Um, that's hard enough to get people wanting to hear your music. Once you have that, I don't, I don't understand why, you know, you would, you would risk, you know, risk that, um, just to be perceived as, um, a consummate musician or something. I actually think it's more challenging to use the hand you're dealt with those three chords and rearrange them again and again and again, and see if you can do it. That's more of a challenge. Uh, it's the same thing with guitarists, guitar players who have a million guitar pedals and, you know, you end up using two or three anyways. Um, yeah, when you have a lot of uh, choice, really, it, it leads you down a terrible hole. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I really, uh, I really eschew all that kind of that way of thinking. The new album, Power Trio, is out August 27th. It is a powerful album, man. It really rocks. I mean, it is, it is an album that you want to put on at a party. And, you know, we've gone through a lot here over the last year and a half. What was it like making music during a pandemic, during a lockdown? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks. Um, it was tough. Uh, you know, we usually write albums in a room together facing each other and just bashing away until for hours until something sparks. Uh, this time we didn't do that. We couldn't, you know, we, we could not be in a room together. So we sent files to one another and very skeptically sent files to one another. And the first song that was written in isolation from beginning to end was a song called blue jean denim jumpsuit. I sent a riff to JC, our bass player. He arranged it. Uh, I sent a couple of riffs. He, he arranged it all and uh, played bass underneath. I played guitar, sang the vocals. And then JC put a metronome, like a, just a generic metronome for Rich, our drummer, to lay his drums on. And if you hear that raw first demo, nothing can be 
salvaged from it. Really, you can't hear what the end result is going to be. It's so sparse, and you know everything's in our minds at this point. But when Rich sent back the drums on top of those tracks, the song just it, it just it just came alive, and uh, that's when I realized, wow, you know what? We can really do this. So up until that point, I was skeptical. And after that, after the drums were laid down, wow, the song really came to life and gave me at least, at least me, I could speak for myself, the, um, the confidence to finish the rest of the album. How was that? And, and, and then, yeah, sorry. And then recording the album, uh, practicing the songs once they were all written, again, I didn't see those guys. We were in a room together, but we were partitioned off. And my guitar is closest to the doorway. So I would be the last to enter and the first to leave. I would never see those guys. I would just hear their voices in the room, whether it's like, let's do that again, or let's take this part out, whatever we were doing, just voices in a room. It was only until we got into the studio when cases were down, hovering below 300 a day, that guidelines allowed six people in a room together. We were five in total with the producer and the uh, engineer, Eric Ratz and Chris Snow is the engineer. And so uh, we kept our distance even then, wore masks and made the record in the studio. How did that, that dynamic change how you made the music or did it? You know I mean? Cause that has to be, you have to navigate through that. It's something new. You're making this album under, these conditions and it's something that you guys have never done before. Do you think it affected the music? And if it did, do you think it had a different type of tone that maybe was a little, maybe a little, you know, heavier, a little darker than previous? Uh, that's only for others and time to say, I, I, I don't know. We just, we did approach this album, even though it was under different conditions, we did approach it like we would approach just making a rock record, like another rock record as, as much as we can try to keep it as normal as we possibly could given the hand that we were dealt with. Um, whether we, we didn't do anything deliberate other than to please our ears, make it sound rockin'. Uh, and if it, if it met those criteria, then, then it, it made the record, uh, whether it sounds darker or lighter or, it sounds looser or, or, you know, tighter or, or, um, more robotic. That's for time to decide and for others to decide. But at the same time, I, you know, I've gone back and I've listened to, you know, while you're doing this, you, you naturally go back and listen to older albums and kind of gauge as to whether or not you're on the same, um, on the same path. And, and to my ears, it, it sounded, there's points in on this new record, Power Trio, where it sounded even more energetic, even more looser, even even more you know wild. So so I I don't know. It's hard to tell. And then after a while, your ears just get you lose. You know, uh, you can't really you can't really hear it properly. You've heard it so many times. Uh, I can't I can't you know I have no gauge anymore. Was there a hesitancy in the beginning to, you know, not move forward with recording now because of all these stipulations that were in place? Maybe there was a sense of, well, let's just wait until things get better and then we'll do it because of, you know, because doing something differently can be intimidating. Uh, 
it can be, but you also, you know, we've been doing this for 25 years. So I trust my instincts when my instincts say that's a good song. I, I really believe it. When you think about writing and, and producing this album and you're, and you have all this stuff going on in the outside world, right? I mean, you have, you know, COVID, you have lockdowns, you have all these restrictions in place. You know, you look at the, you know, the, in the United States, you know, we had, you know, the election, we had, you know, the, the, the protests. When you're seeing all this stuff being covered and then the news and you're trying to make an album, does this album for you act as a vehicle to pull yourself away, pull yourself into a bubble and kind of forget about all these things that are going on? And initially, I didn't want to do this album. JC, our, our bass player, he, he was the one who pushed for this album to be done. I wanted to curl up into a, in a ball and, and hide under the sheets until this pandemic was over. I had no desire to do anything else except follow virus and vaccine news and uh, wait till this is over. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was do anything music wise. I, I didn't listen to that much music. I, I couldn't read books. I couldn't even wa- get through movies. I, I could only watch 20 or 30 minutes at a time. And I still can't, I, I still have to watch 20 or can't do that because I can't stop thinking about what we're all going through right now. So to make an album that took a lot. And, uh, once I started the process, started writing riffs and started working on songs and I'd get the tracks back and send the tracks to JC and all this stuff. Then, then I, 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 I mean, I, then I realized like, this is a really good distraction for me, at least for 30 to 60 minutes a day. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but also we had endless amounts of time to a certain degree. Like we, we did have a deadline, but you know, every day, if I work on it 30 minutes to 90 minutes a day, you, you get, you get more done than, you know, banging against the wall together in a room for three hours. So, you know, we did get through a lot of stuff, even though it was, it was, you know, a few baby steps every day. Um, and yeah, it was a distraction. I, I didn't think about other things for that time, you know, and then once the thoughts started to crawl back into my head, uh, I'd stop and do it whenever I, I, I could again the next day. How did you, I mean, you mentioned, you know, JC helping you, you know, get this album going, but what was the, you know, the, the, the uh, final decision or how did you make the, the final decision to move forward with this record and get out of that ball that you were crawled up into? Uh, JC just going, either we make this record or we're not going to be a band. <laughs> if, if, if we don't have something to show for at the end of this pandemic, whether it ends in six months or two years or five years, we, 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 we won't be a band. We won't be able to tour. There's nothing to tour on. And that's what bands, that's why bands tour these days. We're not a legacy act. You know, we didn't put out a string of platinum hits and, we can just like tour forever on those, you know, forever uh, playing those number one songs. We don't have a number 20 song or a number hundred song. So we have to keep making records. And so he was right. You know, uh, it was a bottom line type of thing. And the, the trick is to either get up, 
pick up your guitar and start playing or, or not. And I think I would have felt even worse if I was told, you know, we wouldn't be ready and I deliberately didn't pick up my guitar. So yeah, it, it helped me pick up my guitar and start playing. Uh, the, the last thing I needed during a pandemic is another fear, <laughs> you know, so I tried to combat it as much as I did. And then once it started, I was like, wow, that's, that's a pretty good riff. And then I realized, whoa, you know, like I spent an hour playing guitar and I didn't even think about Corona. Was it easy for you to maintain your signature sound as Danko Jones is known for, or was it a struggle to go into darker shades of the music, darker tones of music because of what was happening? Right. Again, uh, we've been doing this for 25 years. It's, it's a uh, second nature to me. Like I can't, I can't deliberately change. I, I not deliberately. I can't even change what I, how I sound like. If I if it, if there is a change, I'll notice it in a second. Like whether I'm singing or playing guitar. <clears throat> so I just kind of started off doing what you know. I I, I know that I, I've known from you know doing you know nine other records previously. Another thing that should be noted is before the pandemic, we had started writing, but we hadn't written a song. We just had all these kind of riffs. So five of those made the record. So we did have something for five songs on the record. There was a, there was a, there was an entry point, uh, and the rest we had to write from from scratch. Um, so, uh, you know, it, yeah. After twenty five years, things are pretty second nature. You just pick up and and go. It's 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 actually it's more the um, it's it's more the picking up like start starting it. You know that that's hard. But once you do, it's. It's, I don't play any other kind of music. I, I don't know how at this point, 25 years. I, I I suppose if you leave me in a room, I can maybe make a metal record, but really it's just hard rock for me. As you look forward with this album and, you know, we are getting, you know, information every day of, of rising COVID cases, you know, due to a lot of people being unvaccinated, you know, where do you see the band going this fall into winter, you know, to support this album? Well, you know, uh, right now we've got shows booked every two weeks. And we started three weeks ago in Calgary. We played our first pandemic show live in front of an audience three weeks ago in Calgary for the Calgary Stampede. And we have our next show in Quebec on Friday. Again, a festival outdoors. And then we play in Edmonton at the end of August, outdoor festival, and we do two live streams in Hamilton. And then mid-September in Nova Scotia, we're doing. So every two, three weeks, we're playing a show outside, outdoors. And then there's talk of this, this same thing happening till December. And then we've announced already... Uh, a European tour from April to June. And hopefully that happens, man. As an artist who is putting out a new album, is there a confidence, a lack of confidence into what things will be in a couple months, two, three months? Um, is it something that you guys worry about and, and think about, or is it just, we'll just play when we're given the opportunity? Yeah. So, um, it changes every day. 
it depends on the vaccine news and that just kind of affects, you know, the Delta variant that's out now really kind of took the wind out of my sails. I, I think I wasn't the only one who thought we were out of this. And then suddenly, you know, cases are rising, you know, now there's a, a push to get unvaccinated people vaccinated to get out of this and to combat um, disinformation uh, that's kind of affecting all this. That really takes the wind out of my sails, all the disinformation. Um, and then yesterday I read about Covaxin, which is a, a vaccine from the Indian vaccine that a lot of people turn their back on, which is now being hailed as the vaccine that can defeat the Delta variant. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it's like uh, it, it's been a ping pong game for this for the last 18 months. Yeah, you know, we try to stay positive. I mean, I've got tickets to a lot of shows coming up here in the Chicago area, but it's like, man, you know, like a month ago, I was like, yeah, these are going to be great. And over the weekend, I'm like, are these going to happen? You know, I mean, it's just a cold, totally different yeah. dynamic of having to change your thought because of this stuff. And I want to be positive. I really do. But it's like every day you're like, man, is are we going to be back to where we were come fall? There's, uh, you know, I, I have a friend who just came back from America and he was like, no one's wearing a mask and it's so easy to, and it's met with such disdain and, uh, it, it, we can get out of this together. Like the, the, the thing that kills me is that the pathway is laid out to get out of this. We all know what to do. It's just getting everybody to do it. It's like herding cats. And so it's extra frustrating. You know, especially like, you know, the only way we can, I, I, I'm sure you've seen the meme that's gone around social media is like vaccines are the gateway drugs to live shows. And I totally 100% believe that. So if you're in music or you're into music and you want to go to live shows and you want to play live shows, uh, it's so frustrating when you see these people who are these, which I think are just cultureless assholes, selfish, cultureless assholes obviously who have no interest in music, <laughs> who don't go to shows, you know, fighting this idea of, of masking and vaccines. And it's just, man, you're fucking it up for all of us. So I hope, I hope we can, you know, somehow, you know, get out of this and people start. What, what I found during this pandemic is a lack of empathy. And whether or not you believe doctors and scientists and epidemiologists and all these people who are way more qualified than, than I am, uh, just, just humor them if you don't believe them and just do it. You know, it, it, it won't cause you anything. Um, and and it, it makes your neighbor, the next person beside you, safe, makes them feel safe, uh, you know, lessens their anxiety. Why not? But no, it's such a pushback. And it's like, wow, nobody cares about each other. We don't care about one another. Maybe the person next to you has a, you know, has a, has a mom who's like 96 years old and is in the vulnerable category multiple times, you know? So yeah, man, it's, it's been a, an eye opener in terms of, you know, realizing who I'm surrounded by. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the conversation. I appreciate the new album out uh, August 27th. It's called Power Trio. It rocks. It's a jam. 
And like I said at the beginning, it's an album that you want to put on at a party. It's a great time. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's Danko Jones. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay strong, stay safe, stay healthy. We will talk again soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.